This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hi, everybody. Good morning. It's Sabrina Ahmed Qureshi, and today we're going to be talking with Graham Barker. He's a center area lead and manager for STEM, talking about the staffing crisis and out of industry into the fire. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. Good morning, everyone. Right, we have got a show for you today. We've got the lovely Graham Barker joining us as engineering lead and centre manager. Graham's got some excellent experience working across the country, different regions in engineering, construction and working with all the STEM subjects. Today, we are going to be looking at the industry of STEM and how we get stuff out of that industry and into the fires of teaching and what we can do or how we can retain them because at the moment am I right Graham we've got a bit of a crisis on our hands a bit of a recruitment crisis so Graham if you quickly just want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about this crisis Good morning, everyone, uh, and thank you, Sabrina, for inviting me onto your show. Yeah, so as as Sabrina said, I'm Graham Barker. I'm um, I've uh, been in education now for 23 years uh, in STEM areas. Um, 
and um, currently role is uh, critical, uh, like uh, centre manager and engineering lead uh, for a train provider in Cumbria. So we mainly deal in advanced manufacturing, uh, civil engineering, and all, we'll also upskill the nuclear industry as well. Uh, and we also look at green power and green energy. Um, so really, really long reign of um, experience there, Graham, and, and thank you for joining us. So firstly, when I'm talking about STEM, could you just give us a little bit of a, a context about what does STEM stand for and what kind of learners or students are you dealing with in that sector? Yeah, so obviously it stands for science, technology, engineering and maths, and it covers a wide sector. Uh, so from my point of view, it, it mainly focuses around manufacturing. So manufacturing, engineering, uh, going into the nuclear sectors. It also looks at uh, the construction industry, civil engineering, um, and obviously all, all this involves maths an element of science surrounded. So um, are we talking about when you're talking about the teaching crisis or the, mm. the shortage of staff currently out there? Is this an issue that's impacting just college students or do you see this as a problem impacting school kids, university uh, people going into the careers, really? What's the scale of this problem? I think it's twofold. I, I think if you talk to the manufacturing and the STEM industries themselves, they've got a they have a problem with an aging demographic. Um, so there's actually a recruitment shortage in the actual industry as opposed to education as well. Um, and in, in regards to education, um, again, you know, there's 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 a there's, a, there's an, an, an aging workforce out there and a lot of the current workforce are very tempted back industry you know there's a credit crunch uh, there's, uh, there's they can they can they can get high salaries out in industry uh, i mean an example i was talking to a colleague over northeast and he's had some uh, electricians and some bricklayers uh, going back industry on 50k salaries so it's very difficult to try and retain people with such a high level of skill well i don't think the current teaching salary is at 50k um for for most lecturers i think you need to be in management or or some kind of additional post to be earning that yeah, amount absolutely. is that right yeah yeah so um well if if we go back to kind of the, the shortages in industry surely if there's a shortage in industry they should be working even harder to train up the next you know future workforce so what are the industries doing to support this in terms of the teaching shortages and the crisis in the in the, in that area Yes, I mean, when you, I mean, obviously, I spend a lot of time in 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 factories, in manufacturing outlets, and they are desperately trying to recruit more apprentices. They accept probably around about ten years ago, they didn't do enough, uh, and they're kind of like suffering now, sort of thing. There was an element where they didn't take off and on enough apprentices uh, in years gone by, and uh, so it's kind of like a shortfall. On, on on the actual uh on 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 the shop floor if you like uh and there's also statistical evidence in this in 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 the in the areas of you know 
there's a lot of government papers and a lot of income now for manufacturing was state where you know the real area you were struggling with is at level four of a higher technical level so we see a lot of um graduates coming through uh at a degree level uh there's a lot of apprenticeships at level three but quite not quite enough about level four level five which is what the government's trying to push with htqs and you know high level apprenticeships etc and and do you think the government support is enough do you think it's working i mean i'm aware obviously that there's a, a drive in just general teaching recruitment you know the government's yeah, got a massive yeah. campaign but in particular in focusing on specific areas, I know they've got the taking teaching further campaign yeah. where they're trying to focus right. on the technology and the digital skills. Is is that working? Is that enough? I know Rishi Sunak's pushing maths, you know, to higher level and offering funding for, for level three um, maths courses. And hopefully that will feed into the uh, STEM areas. Well, what are your thoughts on kind of what is the government doing actively to support us and is there enough money going in to, to fill these gaps i mean i think the thing is sabrina you, you can you can never put enough money into it can you i mean there's a there's, there's a lot of research which um which says that you know if every pound you put into you know higher level education you get a four you get a four pound return um in relation to like manufacturing um so you can never put enough money in. I mean, obviously, the government accepts as a problem. You know, for the first time, um, you know, in September 2022, the government introduced a further education workplace return. So therefore, they're asking educators, uh, colleges, providers to actually tell them, you know, to provide a return. How how many how many um, vacancies haven't have been filled within a year? um and it's quite starkling you know there's you know there's probably 205,000 staff in in uh AFE sector 82 of them are direct teachers and in general fa um about five about five to six percent of them roles haven't been filled and if you look in construction it's um it's around 14 percent and there's regional differences so London for example uh in construction it's 21 percent the northwest wow. 21% uh, wow. so i mean you're right we are doing things about it we've recently added an, an extra 180 million investment into programs of study so okay. that's allowed you know more benchmarking something we've done in our in our center at the moment so like raise the teaching wage uh, to try and stop people from leaving in the examples i'll just give you with electrical um, yeah. and i've yeah. also except different sectors uh, need a bit more money. So it's been an uplift for like sec, uh, subject sector four, engineering, five, construction. So if you're a, a learner in engineering or some of the STEM fields, you will uh, you will provide more money to the colleges than you would in other areas, that makes sense. Okay, so obviously a little bit more money is going in. How long yeah. before we see this actually working or how, how long do we need to wait to see if this is bridging any of those gaps that we've got? Uh, it's difficult to see, isn't it? Because I mean, the, 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 you, the, you, I mean, they're trying to attract more. I mean, like you, you mentioned before about uh, some of the campaigns that have on it to try and attract um, you know, new, new staff into roles. Um, 
and you can't miss them. We're all, we're all, all over. But it does take a while. So even when you get the staff in, to get them up to, you know, a reasonable quality standard to teach, to, to teach, you're probably talking. I mean, what would you say, Sabrina? Two years, three years, something like that. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, because you know, even when you do your teaching call, you know, and especially when you're working with um industry experts you know they're dual professionals you know what i mean and yeah. places like engineering you've got to be you know up to date and really current with the industry standards so juggling all of that and then the difficulties of post-covid learners and all of the you know classroom stuff i'd say it'd take a good three four years before you're fully kind of capable to take a classroom and do something magical with them and turn them into the future workforce that we need to develop the country definitely um, I do. I mean, on a shop like you, 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 you do see this impact. I mean, certainly where I am at the moment, there's a lot more people in the 50s, mid 50s, go coming coming into teaching. Um, right. And is so that because are, they've left the industry because of I don't know the, the teaching? They they perceive teaching as an easier gig. It's nine to five. It's indoors. Less exposure to the weather, the elements, things like that. I think there's uh, various reasons, uh, Sabrina. I, I think I think you're right in all of them. You know, if if for example you're in a construction industry and you you know you 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 get to a certain age, you don't want to be out in in, in all weathers. You know, your body can't really cope with that. Um, but I also think that some people take a pension early if they've been, if they've been in manufacturing. They maybe have some of the pension of fifty five, not quite ready to actually just go back and retire. So I want to do some part-time. So we see an uptake in people. We have a, quite a few staff in my centre who work four days a week. Um, so not on full-time, but, but you know, part-time. And in the sector itself, about 30% of, of the sector are part-time workers. So you do see a lot of that where, you know, people have kind of got a pension from industry, but they don't want to kind of like uh, sit back and, and um you know retire as such so in in terms of these staff right so we, we might get them grow yeah. our own i think um yeah. or you know, try and poach them from industry or wait until they're at that age where they might want to mm. semi-retire almost yeah how do we keep them in the education environment and keep them working towards growing that you know next generation of uh, STEM career workforce. I, th I think I think we need a lot of support because it's it can be very frustrating if if you if you come from one industry and you're top of your game. You know you you've you've, you've been there. You're now a senior, uh, no, a senior engineer, well respected, and you're now going to a completely different environment. You know, the terminology is different, isn't it? The language we talk is different. We 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 all get used to it, but uh, you know, for people coming into industry, when we talk about ESFA and we talk about uh, different types of funding stream and you know British values and quality and deep dives and it's a new language to them. So you have to kind of hold the hand and provide scaffolding. So accept it when they're going to the workplace, you're going to have to really, really support them in order to achieve uh, what you need them to achieve. And obviously, so you don't disengage them. It's just like a learner. So you, do, you don't end up, um, you know, disengage them in the early stage when it's very difficult. So you end up losing them, if that makes sense. Yeah, 
And so, you know, when you said, um, you know, there's people coming out of industry into teaching, you know, and then we're losing them. Where are we losing them to? Where are they going? Uh, I, I think that, that um, sometimes not prepared because, you know, the, the we all know teaching is more than just standing in front of a class and passing on your knowledge. There's a lot there's a lot to go with it, whether it's whether it's, um, you know, paperwork, assessment, open nights, um, as well as the actual, you know, the, 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 the teaching side of it, you know, writing reports, etc. Um, sometimes I just don't know what to expect, if that makes sense. Um, and I also think at times as, as educationalists, we expect a little bit too much of people coming in and we need to give them a little bit more time, if that makes sense. So apparently, you know, this this shortfall in in STEM skills gap, it's costing the economy one point five billion per year. Is that what you're seeing out there in industry, Graham, like the, the, the economical cost of not having enough trained experts out there in the field? Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's what's reported back. I mean, there's, there's also you know, new areas where, for example, we know about, you know, the energy crisis and you know the fact that um suddenly things have changed in manufa- in manufacturing and engineering so suddenly we're going to build some new nuclear power stations whereas for years we were told that um nuclear was dying out you know we were going to build it's new frowned new- upon no no we couldn't have yeah, nuclear yes, back then exactly yeah. So you can imagine what happened to the way the the the, the workforce. Were we were we actually investing in new nuclear technicians? No, we weren't. So now the government's coming and changed that. There's a huge shortfall. Uh, fortunately, in Cumbria, we do have a lot of we do have a lot of people experienced in that sector. Um, so it's there's, there's, there's things like that where you know when there's major infrastructure pro- projects in where you know the paying high salaries so they take people who experience from other sectors into them because although they're building new nuclear power stations there's a lot of other things like civil engineering uh, fabricate as well as machinists which actually infill into that um so yeah it is a it's 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 it, it, it is a struggle because obviously um and productivity wise we know also that the uk is not particularly efficient you know the productivity is not the same as it is in other parts of the actual world so there's a huge drive to to make manufacturing and engineering more efficient so you know it's slicker processes uh so we can compete on the world stage you know post brexit and that yeah brilliant um so graham tell us about your kind of experiences in trying to tackle all of these issues in terms of First of all, getting the staff in, poaching them, grabbing yeah. them, training them, and then getting them supported, mentored, getting them in front of the students and making sure the students and the staff are all happy and you're meeting your targets. Like, what are you kind of dealing with out there? Tell us about how it is on the shop floor. Um, that's, 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 that's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I, I recently went to the northeast and did some networking with some old colleagues and and um and uh, acquaintances over the northeast and it was managers middle managers in the room and as you know sabrina your middle management are the people who 
keep the wheels of the FE sector rolling over. They're the people who design the curriculum, uh, keep everything, keep every, keep everything moving mm. forward. Huge role, uh, huge role, huge, yeah, huge role, huge role. And um, so, they're, 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 one one member was saying that we'd planned for 190 learners to come through to to, to come through in this construction department, and has actually recruited 260. Um, I That's mean, a good you know, thing, isn't it? Well, it is a good thing. It is. It's. It, it, you'd think it's a good thing. Now, when when we're doing plans, a lot of this, Sabrina, we don't just pick the figures out of the air. You know, we look at four-year trends. We look at birth rates. We use LMI data to try and work out whether there's a need, um, and we do a staffing budget based on that calculation. So, so to suddenly have seventy more learners, of which you have to understand, it's like funding as well. So you won't get the money for that until next year. If that makes sense, which is a little bit. Anybody outside the education environment does not quite understand that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> surely if you have a learner, surely if you've got the learners in, you get paid this year. No, 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 no you have to wait until the year. following which, year. Yeah, which is a little bit crazy to understand, isn't it? Um, and that one of that when, when this this manager was convinced it was because other college was putting a cap on their numbers based on the fact that they had staffing issues. So in other words, students were going elsewhere and they were going to him. If that makes sense. Um so it was creating a lot of a lot of problems. And you know, he he tells the story of staying back at night, sat at the desk, uh timetables, trying to provide cover plans, a lot of goodwill from current staff having to teach some extra hours. Uh the vision of it seemed to be a bit more like um more like um like a war room, strategic planning room, you know, where, 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 you know, where they've got these strategic plans and they're trying to plan what's happening next sort of thing, rather than an FE environment. Um, but yeah, so he was talking, he, he was, he, he was talking about that, and then he was talking about the expense of it because he was talking about bringing in the reservist, and we know what it means by reservist. We, we, what we, the reservist? Agency, not agency yeah. staff. Oh no, yeah. not agency staff. <laughs> yeah. right, okay. So, so you know, agency can be a bit of an agency cover can be normally a bit of a nightmare because you, you get loads of cold calls. Do you want some staff? And usually at a time when you don't. Um, but then when you're desperate, they suddenly become heroes in the darkest of times. That makes sense. Uh, but it does come at a price, doesn't it, Sabrina? I know for like. And these, some of these figures are going to shock people who are not in management. So if you're having to bring in an engineering lecturer, um, it's not you know, it, typical price is £54 an hour. Sorry, fact, how much? £54 an hour. Ah, OK, just just for context out there, guys, yeah. I've, I obviously um, recruit agency staff for English and maths and, and digital. And the average I pay is about £37 an hour. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you're losing staff as well for people wanting to go on the agency circuits. No, for this type of money. Obviously, all this money doesn't all go to the actual the agency member staff. No, they, right? it does go to the agency themselves. It does, it, so. it does, it does, it does. But still, I mean, that's those... far higher than, say, a non engineering manufacturing expert because you know if you're teaching some of the humanities the softer skills maybe you're not going to be getting that kind of money 100 percent there was one case where 
one of my colleagues was talking about um, having somebody set up and you, you know yourself, Sabrina, it's not a case of just getting on the phone for somebody, bringing somebody in, there's safeguarding, there's DBS checks. This is a long haul to get an AD member of staff in, isn't it? Um, so you had somebody lined up, gone through a whole process, due to start on Monday, got a phone call on Friday, kind of said he's been gazumped by another college. And you sat down, £64 an hour. Gazumped? By, in yeah. agency staffing, right, Six, okay. Yeah, so to put that in perspective, you know, if that's £64 an hour, you know, if if he's in for a week, what a 36 week academic year yep. so you you know if my maths is right it should be being an engineer i think <laughs> I, I, I think i think that's no around pressure. 80 yeah, no pressure i think it's around 85 86k which is certainly <gasps> a lot a lot a lot more than some of your principals or vice principal or, or on uh so obviously i put the college into a lot of financial pressure as well and that's Bear just one talk. sometimes that's you're one. talking about you know a few agency members of staff picking up different courses yeah. or curriculums yeah and wow. you'd be surprised as well because in my experience you'd be quite surprised at the areas where you struggle so for myself it's quite easy to go out and pick a phd qualified engineer because typically you'll have people who have been to university uh struggling we know that only about 64 percent of engineering graduates get a job in engineering does that make sense Mm-hmm. Uh, for you through university um which is quite a startling figure in itself isn't it um so typically some of them will come back into education so if on the academic side of it you know of people studying like the he side it's less of an issue but where you struggle is brickwork you try and find a plumber a plumbing lecturer a brickwork lecturer electrical installation that's the areas you struggle because they're making so much in industry and, and there's a huge demand. Um, I don't know if you ever tried to phone a plumber to get somebody to fix. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not the easiest thing, is it? No, it isn't. I mean, but what I worry is, or what I wonder even, um, you know, the government recently announced that, you know, 490 million funding for universities mm. and colleges to deliver better STEM education. Where yeah. is that money yeah. going? And what is being done with this? I, I'm not sure... From what you're saying, it's it's being felt by your colleagues or that networking group that you've been to. If they're having to pay that kind of amount, you know, and they're struggling to cover those costs, what is actually being done with this funding, this money? And is it is it being siphoned away for specific projects rather than general STEM subjects? Do you know anything about that at all? Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 a difficult one. Uh, I mean, certainly there's that they are putting a lot of money into STEM through various different funding mechanisms. So, for example, there's uh, SDF funding, uh, which is now being re- replaced by ELSIF funding. Yeah, right. but it's very specific, Sabrina. So, for example, you know, the local skills improvement plans, which which uh, are now in place for across all regions which is typically uh, developed by the Chamber of Commerce. In most cases, there's exceptions, like the North East Automotive Alliance uh, 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 develop LSIPs. And basically, they'll say what the skills needs are for your local community, and the government will, in, will 
will give each region a couple of million pounds to invest in projects to try and um, tackle the skill shortage, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so for example in the northeast, uh, is around green energy. Uh, we know we've got Dogger Bank, which is the, the biggest when, when it's all produced will be the biggest wind turbine uh, plant in the world. Um, wow. We you know we've got we've got every energy hydrogen transition and stuff like that. Uh, so it's kind of very focused on certain things. Okay. So it's not just in general teaching and recruitment and things like that. You know, there there are agendas attached to the to the funding and the income streams. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah generally, which which kind of does make sense because also part of that is the upskilling of staff hmm. as well. So you know, it does it it does help in that because you can get staff who are just general engineers who well, need to be upskilled in some in 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 in, in different areas. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even I drive an electric car, Graham. Honestly, you wouldn't know how challenging and difficult it is to find yeah. a mechanical engine. Well, a mechanic who works on electric vehicles. Mm. I've had to drive around everywhere. Um, and then even then they were saying, oh, we've got no one trained to deal with it. So you'll have to go yeah. to this and this. So if if there's a need, I mean, I'm guessing supply and demand, if there's a massive yeah. need, uh, I mean, I have one as a customer desperate for it. Hmm. Um, why is it only being recognised now? I mean, we've known this is going to come. We know technology is advancing. We know that all of that stuff's going on. Why is it only being recognised now? And who's advocating for these areas? Are we relying on governments or are, they, are, are you guys getting a voice? Are you being, you know, um, supporting the kind of movement where where are they getting the information from who's who's helping us out here that's a tough question um there's, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of uh different people involved and it is kind of coming together so for example you know in the northeast you 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 have various various bodies and various groups so you have like i say the chamber of commerce you have the northeast automotive alliance you have uh you know east coast energy cluster groups where mm-hmm. it's basically a, a you know a partnership of employers manufacturers who are getting together to try and for the greater good to try and solve some of these and obviously lobby government as well if that makes sense right yeah you got you got to make uk a big manufacturing organization uh with loads of members trying to push for skills and developments etc uh so the and reason, did the government the, the, actually listen to you guys collectively coming together and 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 you know saying what the issues are is someone actually listen to what the what the crisis is yeah like there are putting initiatives in place uh so you, you'll have you'll have heard of skills boot camps yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so for if the industry there's 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 great programs out there so when i'm talking in cumbria to local manufacturers where they've got issues where we'll just be talking about where for example they've um having to pay high salaries for electrical engineers but now to try and match mechanical engineers to be electrical they have to upskill them in some electrical skills so the skills boot camps the governments are putting on helps because we can put on a you know, 60 guys to learn our course, uh, upskill them, supported by you know, government funding. Not We don't always get 100% government funding, but it's substantial uh, in things such as, you know, mechanical to electrical training, green energy, civil engineering, um, you know, 
green power skills, um, EV charging structures, you know, by 2035, all vehicles sold have to have to be electric. So, you know, there's a lot of houses are going to need charging points, you know, and not enough people. So there is initiatives like that where, they're, again, focusing on different areas and what the needs are. Um, not quite sure what if that helps the FE staff recruitment, but it does help industry, if that makes sense. So if it does help industry, will that then have a knock on effect on staff and recruitment, do you think? Or do you think something altogether is needed um, to support the staff getting into teaching? Um, Yeah, it's a tough it's a it's a tough question because if (laughs) if it was if it was an easy answer, Sabrina, we wouldn't be in the situation, would we? I think the I think the other thing what which is a worrying thing and I haven't I can't remember the full stats of this but it's actually getting young people because sooner or later you have to you have to increase the amount of people coming into no coming into STEM subjects mm-hmm. uh, and we know that there's um, you know there's a lack of people wanting to go into STEM subjects. Um, why why do you think that is? I'm not quite sure because you you talk I mean I'm probably the, the worst person to talk to because I'm obviously an engineer and get excited by this sort of stuff you know what I mean uh, but I think a lot of it is about access to providers in school now I know there's legislation around that uh, but kind of doesn't always work the other interesting thing which 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 um, I was reading and forgive me I can't remember the full facts but there's a huge drop in design technology courses at GCSE level yes there is yep I, I can't remember the exact percentages on this Sabrina but it was quite startling now you know if 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 you're doing your options and my son will be doing his options next 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 year and if he wants to be an engineer and obviously yes he could do GCSE engineering but it's not the same as actually doing design technology where it's hands-on you know the old craft design technology you used to do years ago where you do metal work and woodwork and you do stuff with your hands and you make things um there's a huge decline yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite yeah, subject. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a huge decline in that. So how do you get exposure? Um, you know, how how I mean obviously you've got the UTCs where we do a lot of our stuff, but they're very you know, there's that's only gonna solve so many problems, isn't what it? What are UTCs, uh, sorry? Ignore university technical te- te- university technical colleges where basically the um the kind of like schools we specialise around certain areas such as such as yeah. STEM. Yeah, there's one there's there's one in Workington and in, in 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 various places, but that's obviously, you know, there's not many of them about, and you know, it, it's it's uh, really what we need is general schools doing more around design and technology and promoting more in engineering and manufacturing. So I mean, again, I've got relatives, and I remember mm. they used to get grant scholarships, they used to get you know uh, placements, and really, um, my own sister actually, she got mm. a scholarship to study STEM and and yeah. what they did was really target you know different genders different uh, ethnic minority backgrounds and things like yeah. that so I know that there is a, there is a push in in kind of marketing and advertising career prospects and and salary scales and things like mm. that to the young people from secondary school age um but you're right without that kind of you know first-hand experience without yeah. dealing with it without going through projects and and really understanding what it entails, the students aren't fully understanding what's being offered to them. 
So do you think that needs to start earlier on? Do you think it's something that we need to be looking at in terms of, you know, let's put it in 100%. school school yeah. curriculum? And that's one what that's one of the things we've been involved in. Uh we'd we do it we'd we do we're doing that uh, I'm a current provider and I've done that as you all over North East where we've done STEM projects where you know we've had schools coming around looking at all the new technology engaging with them so as providers we try to do that i do feel that um you know people there is a, a example you know if you look recently the changing you know student loans you know it's going to be much more difficult it's, it's going to be even harder to pay off your student loan so in the Blair era where he wanted to get 50% of people to university, you know, he achieved that after his after his time. And now there's a push to say, well, actually, yeah, this is great, but actually we need more people and apprenticeships. So I think students are getting a bit canny. You know, they're doing the A-levels and they're thinking, well, hang on a minute, I can, I can go to, um, I can go to university, um, try to become an engineer and get all this debt of which we know the statistics is about what is 64% of graduates will get jobs whereas mm-hmm. you can get an apprenticeship um the worst thing people sit in the local factory because if you look in a local factory it's really advanced and high tech mm-hmm. you know they've got they've, they've got forklifts which drive themselves it's it's really it's really high technology stuff um but they can get an apprenticeship in there and that that a typical Will, t- will be a five-year apprenticeship and will take them all the way up to degree level and they get paid and go on holiday, they can buy a car and they won't get any student debt. So I they're think not going to get the debt. That's the key thing, isn't it? it, it it's, a huge, it's a huge thing because in some cases you're never going to pay that debt off. You know, and it's right, it's, it's in this in, in, in this round your neck where it's it's um we are seeing a lot of students do A levels and go into an I mean I I, I have about four or five and program at a moment where they've come in to do a level three program having done a levels but you know see the advantages of going into industry that makes sense excellent so is are there enough apprenticeship placements out there for the growing need um i think the, the i mean i don't think there's ever enough for what we need um but the one one of the problems you have is and it's, it's kind of like a chicken egg situation is you kind of can most organizations can only take on so many apprentices because you need people to mentor them does that make sense yeah and if you haven't got the staff if you haven't got the staff you can't do it and we have had situations uh this year where you know companies said look we can't no, great we can't really take on this year because you know we, we we're struggling for staff and we, we, we you know but we need to take on next year because we'll have them people in place because again agent age people have retired uh they've gone to work somewhere else for more money that makes sense um so yeah yeah it's it's you kind of cannot have enough but then there's also issues around when you do have vacancies trying to get people trying to fill them vacancies because it's not always as easy as it sounds, you know what I mean? So what, try, what can we do to try and fill those vacancies here and now, right? We've got this issue. Yeah. You've got colleagues, you've got friends saying, you know, I, I've just entered a department now that I'm trying to support in engineering construction. Yeah. Same thing, same same scenario what you've just mentioned, Graham. We've got staff vacancies, loads, like more than things on my hand yeah. kind of vacancies. Yeah. 
Mm. How can we tackle this problem? What what kind of ideas have you got, or, or are there any? Uh, I, I don't think there's one magic magic idea where you can you can you can wave a wand and fix it. But a lot a, a lot of it is down to you know the best advertisement is current stuff. If that makes sense, yeah. Uh, so a lot of a lot over the years, a lot of now I've gone into a lot of departments, tried to fix them, turn them around, etc. And the one of the key allies is having your current members of staff on board. So it's about the culture you generate in your department, you know, the supportive mm. culture, um, you know. Which is the same yes, in any kind of subject, really, isn't it? It, 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 it is. It is. If if you support your staff and, um, you know, and you, you know, you look after them while still expecting them to perform, of course, yeah, then... Mm. They will recommend you and they will help you that recruitment process. Um, so culture, culture is is really important. Uh, communication is important. Uh, something we do quite well, my current provider, where we have, you know, we have briefings every Monday where the senior management meet on teams just half an hour just to tell people what's going on. Because uh, sometimes the worst thing is communication, isn't it? Uh, so I think if you can get that high performing culture in, into your into your provider and into your you know into your college, I think that will help a lot because it'll attract people. Someone's gonna lose out because if if you're attracting people, it might be industry that's losing them and it, or it might be another college, but um you know, selfishly your your <laughs> your department will 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 thrive, if that makes sense. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Just Stop Oil have spray painted universities across England. 
the climate campaigners used orange paint to coat buildings at the universities of Leeds, Manchester and Cambridge, according to a report on the BBC News website. The latest protests came after other universities across the country were also targeted. Just Stop Oil say the protests are against the UK government's plans to licence new oil and gas projects. The BBC report featured comments from a spokesperson for University of Leeds, which said that whilst they support the right to legal protest, they were hugely disappointed that the results had been vandalism. At the University of Cambridge, a protester painted the neo-Gothic King's College orange and was confronted by members of the public. The majority of protesters have been arrested and charged with criminal damage. After the Tory party conference, attention turned to Labour's proposals for education should they be elected. Bridget Phillipson, Shadow Education Secretary, said a Labour government would upskill non-math specialists in primary schools to create the maths equivalent to phonics. The announcement marks a clear dividing line with Conservative policies, with Labour focused on the youngest school children, whilst Conservatives have focused on extending compulsory maths teaching to 18. The curriculum review would also be tasked with bringing maths to life and directing teachers to show children how numeracy is used in the world around them. The plans have been tentatively welcomed by the NAHT and General Secretary Paul Whiteman said it was vital that Labour builds upon the excellent maths teaching that is already taking place. Jeff Barton of Askell added, Ensuring that primary schools have the funding for the resources they need was vital to improving attainment. After the distressing news of events unfolding in Israel, many news outlets have reported on government plans to support Jewish schools with extra security guards. Security and police patrols have already been increased, but the government has given £3 million in funding. Measures taken by some schools already include pupils being told to remove blazers, and school trips being postponed. The BBC also reported that three schools have closed due to concerns. The Community Security Trust, CST, which provides protection for Jewish communities in the UK, said there had been 139 anti-Semitic incidents since the recent attacks on Israel. At this time last year, there had been only 21 incidents. A government spokesperson said it was very concerned a small number of Jewish faith schools had temporarily closed and that it would be working to support them to open safely. Finally, BBC Wales education correspondent Bethan Lewis writes that children as young as seven or eight are using social media, according to a major survey in Wales. Responses from more than 32,000 children aged 7 to 11 suggest almost half use social media sites or apps a few times a week. Public health experts said the data was concerning, as most social media carry minimum age recommendations of 13. Parents also responded with many saying they found it hard to strike the right balance between the benefits and pitfalls of smartphones. Full details of the survey can be found on the BBC Wales section of the news website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. So that's, you know, you provided some really kind of true and very real scenarios there about, um, you know, the culture and really selling your organisation 
and word of mouth is a powerful thing isn't it you know if it is 100%. If, if you're leaving industry to join an organization and say do you know what they're really supporting me into teaching blah 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 they're going to go tell yeah. you know joe blogs and spread the word is there anything that um you would recommend you know the middle managers senior leaders um should do more so to kind of make that environment more tempting and appealing for people to leave industry for yeah i i mean we talked about culture but it's how you create that culture and you know we've when 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 we all we've also talked haven't we sabrina about uh supporting staff coming into teaching i think that's very important so it's you know for if a learner came in you know in in education we talk about scaffolding don't we we talk about identifying that learner need putting support in place to make sure until that learner has the skill you know is supported to get to where they need to be and this should be no different for staff so when new staff from industry are coming in you need to put just provide them with basic information so you know you need to provide them with your, with your schemes of learning explain you know provide them with the risk assessments in the workshop and also as well as a basic teaching structure you know you provide them with schemes of learning talk about how you assess it's just fundamentals isn't it but also you need to mentor them around the culture because there's a big difference between being in education and being in industry the culture is slightly different the professionalism is slightly different so in order to thrive you kind of have to look at the initial support for in the workshops the teaching but also around the cultures of the organization as well to make sure they're fitting you know they're fitting nicely there's no surprises and is there anything that you think um, you've seen as really good kind of practice that you think, oh, wow, you know, more people should be doing this to to keep the retention up or anything you would recommend or anything you want to say to future people out there listening who might be tempted to come into the um, out of industry into the fires of teaching? <laughs> um, in, in, in relation to retention of staff, uh, Sabrina, is that what we're saying? Yeah, about bringing them in. What 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 have you seen that's good, and what might lure them away? I think I, I think it's um, it's that level of support for staff, and also managing expectation as well. Um, you know, um, I mean, to, to give an analogy, we need to manage expectations around what we expect of new staff. Um, you know, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite easy. Where's the time you know, to we... do that, though? Come on. If you're talking about a shortage, yeah. normally you needed that yeah. member of staff, you know, three weeks ago. Is that realistic, yeah. do you think? Or are you seeing someone do that so well in, in some way? I think, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's about just kind of buddying them up and providing the level of support in which in in, in, in in which to do it and also like i say mind's an expectation you know for example you know you know some sometimes we forget about the basics for example you know, my daughter is is, is is going to swimming lessons yeah we don't expect her to jump in the deep end and be able to just say well she either she either sinks or floats do you know what I mean, Sabrina? Yeah. <laughs> you have <laughs> but, to do but, teaching, though, don't you? That's exactly, the problem. <laughs> exactly. 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 But this is what we often do in education, don't we? We bring a member of staff in, 
in the probation period, we observe that member of staff usually linked to either the ETF, the education teacher framework. It may link it to the EF. We may do it to the initial teacher training framework. Um, and then we'll be surprised when it actually isn't perfect. You know, they're not gold medalists. So, you know, my daughter, when she goes swimming, she starts off at level one, not level seven. You know, she puts armbands on and then slowly a percentage comes up. So I guess it's managing the expectation around, you know, you give them that structure. You know, I guess the important thing is that it's about the intent and the impact. You know, we talk about this intent and impact only the three eyes in the education. Eyes, yeah. The three eyes. So everyone knows about the three eyes, right? So usually what does a student want coming in? So in most cases, a student coming into vocational wants to pass the course, they want to learn a skill and usually want to progress onto apprenticeships. Some may want to progress onto university. Um so that is very much the intent. Yeah. The and then so the impact is have we achieved that? Yeah. And in the middle, you've got the implementation, which can be a bit woolly for, you know, it, maybe not ideal for a new member of staff. So that's where the scaffolding comes in to say, well, actually, we know that they're not going to be seasoned professionals and we know they're not going to go in and expect the same standard of fluidness as you would from somebody who's been in, in, in the game for 10 years. You know, it's the same as you wouldn't expect somebody new to be able to take a free kick and score the same way David Beckham has, well, he's been practising for the last 10 years. Mm. Well, I mean, we they might it. have really good subject knowledge and, that, you know, they might not excel in that classroom. It might be in a workshop, it might be, you know, next to a wind, wind turbine or something. Yeah, yeah, well, totally. 100%, but, you, but, but, as, but as, you know, a manager's going to observe you kind of need to manage your expectations around how well they implement it and then put scaffolding in so you know that areas where the week doesn't impact on the actual the learner progression does that make sense you know what yeah. i mean so like so like you get the same result it may not be as pretty but um over the course of time you'll develop a person so often i see new members of staff coming in getting observed in the same way you'd observe uh, ten, you know, somebody who's been in the game for ten years, um, and get a bit disillusioned by it. Mm. So it's about it's about just the same as my daughter, uh, or you know, or your daughter Sabrina, when they're going to learn to swim. It's about accepting that, and you know, the new the new teacher training reforms also looks at you no know, saying, well, actually, you kind of need to get the basics right, don't you? You know, yeah. like. like level three be before you go into level 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 seven yeah and again you know the new teacher training reforms that have just come out is looking to how we how 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 we make how do you make teachers actually better from an early from an early start you know what i mean which is quite interesting excellent so um we are coming to the end of our time graham so i'd like to um kind of give you another bit of mic time to kind of share anything else that you'd want to tell us about the STEM area and the current state of affairs. Uh, if there is anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no pressure, Sabrina. Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's, 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 um, I guess, I guess it's an exciting area to, to be into. There's a lot of developmental changes, a lot of investment into colleges. So, you know, if if 
you're technology minded like myself, it's it's uh, it can be extremely rewarding. You know, you know, there's there's investment in colleges now for new kit. Uh, also, there's a lot of something we haven't mentioned is about you know collaboration with industry. You know, mm. you know, there's you know, in my previous job were members of the IoT, the Institute of Technology, and one of the things they do really well is to bring industry and education together. Um, so therefore, again, another way of supporting staff. Really practical um, skills that you can just, you know, pick up yeah, off the yeah. shop floor and take it straight there, which well, you don't always get in all courses. You know, you don't get that experience out there. And often the complaint is, yeah, you've got a degree. Yeah, you've got a qualification, but can you do the job? Whereas I suppose people in, in your kind of sector here are getting on the job training. They're getting you know, practical skills that they're picking up. Um, using real equipment, which I think you know is part of the part of the allure of be- becoming a STEM student. Um, yeah. So that I think that's real. That's something that you know when you said to me, you know, DT and all of that. That's what I remember. You know, getting my hands on a drill, making holes, getting sawed. Yeah. That was the, that was the best part. And I think um, from a student point of view, um, that's probably why you have such an influx of students um, going into those kind of sectors. It's just a shame we can't we can't get you know qualified teachers in front of them quickly enough. So fingers crossed, this show um, is going to entice some listeners out there to upskill or retrain or or consider spreading the word um, about STEM and the importance of it. And maybe you can embed it into your own curriculum. Maybe you can discuss it with your students if your teachers out there or if you know anyone who's thinking of what to do next career-wise. You know, th- there's massive opportunities here, as Graham mentioned, um, lots of funding is. going in. And I think um, uh, if if anyone's got any questions, I'm sure you can catch Graham on, on LinkedIn and drop him a message, um, and I'm sure he'll be happy to help. Or you can message me, um, and I'll do my best as well. But that is all we have time for today. So thank you once again, Graham. Um, and it's been no, a pleasure to talk to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Cheers, cheers. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.